Open up your Bibles, if you will, this morning to uh, John chapter 21, and we're going to take one more week here of, uh, in fact, this is our last week of Dining with Jesus, at least the series of it, and uh, these last couple of Sundays, and this one being the third one, we're really kind of sidetracking off into this uh, title, Recognizing Jesus, because there's three uh, obvious times in the, in the New Testament where after Jesus was raised from the dead, that he appeared to either a group of people or individuals, um, and, and they didn't recognize him at first. And, and so we were looking at why those things were. Just as a real quick review, uh, these three different times, the first time was as on the day that he rose again, these two disciples unnamed, were walking from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus. And they were, uh, they didn't recognize Jesus because of the things that they were talking about. They were distracted. They were actually had their heads uh, down and discouraged, but they were confused. Uh, but then we read in that story that Jesus redirected their thoughts and redirected their conversation to the promises that were found in God's word. And really, got their hearts to be rekindled. Part of that story says, didn't our hearts burn? And so there was this sense of rekindling their hope and their excitement uh, about the purpose of why Jesus came to the earth and died and rose again. They got so excited to the point where they couldn't even keep it to themselves. If you read the story, they quickly ran back to Jerusalem and told others about Jesus. And that's really the purpose of why we even would live today is that we are here to tell others about Jesus. When we talk about our current events, when we talk about our problems, when we talk, when we talk about our discouragement, when we talk about our struggles, let me ask you this question. It's a very important question. When you talk about issues in our life, in, in, in our culture, do you redirect your thoughts and your words back to what God's Word says? I think too often, I think we are quick to speak out uh, the negative, and we speak out the impossible, but we're not so quick to speak out and rehearse His Word, His promises, His authority out loud. It's important that if we say these things out loud of, I am sick, I need provision, this world is not going well, our country is falling apart, my family's struggling, all these things that may be true, okay? It's not denying that, but there's a greater authority that we have and we're holding it in our hands. It's God's Word. It's not just a book with words in it. It's a now word. It's a rhema word. It's a today word. It's a two-edged sword word. It's a, it's a word that, that, that causes demons to tremble. It, it causes, it, 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 Satan can't confront and overcome the Word of God. I mean, in fact, when Jesus was tempted those three times, Jesus, by Satan, Jesus said all three times, the Word of God says, the Word of God says, the Word of God says. Because Jesus knew and knows the power of God's Word. Satan knows the power of God's Word. And he's going to try to shut you down. He, he's just thrilled to death for you to say the negative stuff. And just leave it there. But he shudders and he shakes and he trembles because he knows that if you say, nevertheless, but God's Word says, then it overcomes, it trumps what circumstances may be going on in our lives. You may have a need, but nevertheless, my 
The Bible says, my God shall supply all of my riches according to his riches and glory. All of my needs, rather, according to his riches and glory. I may be sick, but by his stripes, I'm healed. And we go on and on that way with the word of God. It, it's okay to say the things that are out there, but you better counter it with what God's word says. Don't just leave the negative and the impossible sitting out there. Instead of walking in discouragement and allowing the issues of life to dictate our direction, it's imperative, folks, that we allow the Holy Spirit of God to encourage us and to remind us of the promises that are found in God's word. Amen? What that's going to do is going to help us to rise above our circumstances. And it's going to help us to redirect our walk to the path that God has for us. Just like the two men um, on the road to Emmaus. So I ask you this question this morning is this part of the review. Would you or others that you know recognize the hope that you have in Jesus based on the things that you say? That's a very important question for us to ask ourselves. As you're working in your home at school, in your day-to-day, -day, do people, would they recognize that you are a hope-filled, faith-filled believer in Jesus Christ by the things that you say? It's a, Lord, help us to make sure that the words that we say and the meditations of our heart are acceptable in your sight and, recognize, and, uh, and represent you well to those around us. Amen? So last week we talked about, uh, we saw the example of how, um, how Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, this individual, and she was in this deep, deep sorrow. In fact, she had just come to the tomb. She heard that the tomb was empty, what was going on, so she got up before dark. She ran to the tomb. She was actually ready to, to, to try to embalm him with, with Jesus, and, and she saw that the, 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 the tomb was open, the, the stone was rolled back, and her hopes were dashed. She had seen her Savior killed. She was beyond sad. And as I said, she came to the tomb with these embalming spices in hand to prepare the dead body of Jesus. As I said last week, she didn't bring a crowbar and some strong friends to open up the tomb and let her alive Savior out. Her dream was dead. Her reason for living was gone. And sorrow had consumed her. How many has ever been in a situation like that? Yeah, you may be in it right now. But here's the thing, when Jesus appeared in front of her, she didn't recognize him because of how she felt. So the first week was what they were saying. This last week we looked about how she felt. And then Jesus asked Mary two very important questions. First, why are you crying? And secondly, who are you looking for? And as I said last week, it's okay to cry. You got to let it out. God's made us to be emotional people. We laugh, we get angry, we, we get afraid, and, and, and we cry. Nothing is wrong with any of these emotions, but they don't need to define us, and they don't need to rule over us. We shouldn't let those emotions uh, 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 cause us to be a permanent home in us. We shouldn't let them live in us as a permanent home. We have seasons of sorrow. Things happen. Loved ones, spouses pass away. We lose a job. We struggle through situations with our family or and our finances or some sickness may happen. But Jesus, in his word, reminds us of the hope that we have in him. Amen? The Bible says, and we just sang about it, sorrow lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It's important that we don't allow the pursuits of things to fulfill us because when Jesus says, 
Why are you crying? He was saying, listen, it's all right to cry, but I'm standing right here. There's hope. Hope is renewed. Let me remind you again, it's okay. It's not here to stay. I love the phrase in the scripture that says it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. Then he says, who are you looking for? Not what are you looking for? Who are you looking for? We pursue things a lot in our lives. Who we are looking for and pursuing should be Jesus. Not things, not, not the stuff that this world has to offer because things are going to fade and things will disappoint and things will never satisfy. Only Jesus will satisfy our souls. And it's only when Jesus tenderly called out Mary's name that she finally recognized him. She threw her embalming spices aside. She would no longer need them. Her Savior, her hope, her reason for existing, he was alive. And she was so filled with hope, and again, that she couldn't help but tell others about it. She quickly ran back and told everybody what just happened. Just like the two men ran back to the folks and told them what happened, Mary did the same thing. I ask you this question this morning. Would you or others recognize Jesus based on the way that you're acting out the way that you feel? Are you walking around like a sad sack all the time? Are you walking around angry all the time? Are you walking around depressed all the time? Are you walking around in ways that are not a good reflection of your belief in who you are in Jesus Christ? It's all right to be sad. It's all right to be these things, but don't live there. Would people know that you're a Christian based on how you are acting out the way that you feel? I'll just be lovingly blunt with you. Some of us need to get over it. And some of us need to move on with our lives. Because Jesus has a plan for you. His purposes are for you to to be fulfilled through you. But you're sitting there living in... Maybe you're angry about what happened in your life. You're angry at God. He can't... He wants to do something in and through your life, but you're, you're, you're sitting there just sad. You're, you're, you're pouting. You, you, come on. Get up. Get up. Our Savior is alive. There's still hope. You're still breathing the breath of life in you, and God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So get up and get over it and move on. And I say that in love because Satan would love to have us consumed in our sorrow because as long as we're doing that, We can't be effective for the kingdom of God. So let's get up and get over it. Let's get out and do something for him. Amen? Amen. All right. By the way, I hope that you've been able to take some time this week to listen to Jesus as he's called your voice. Remember last week when I had you put your name in there? Just put your name in there. You know... If you say your name as if Jesus is saying, this is something special that happens. Brian, yes, Lord. It's kind of good to hear it out loud, you know. He's doing that for us. And he's drawing us to himself. He's tenderly calling out our names. And he's calling us out of our sorrow. And he's calling us into his hope. He's calling us into his joy. Amen? Jesus is our reason for living. And I'm so thankful that we serve a risen Savior. We just celebrated that a few weeks ago, amen? So place your hope in Jesus. Place your sorrows on Jesus. And let the joy of the Lord be your strength. All right. That's the review from the last two weeks. That's good enough to just end right there. We can end it and say, amen, let's go. But let's take one more time, one more shot at this. This is the third time that Jesus appeared to a group of people this time. And uh, it was after his, after his resurrection. 
And it was, as I said, the first time it was because of what they were talking about. Last week it was because of how she felt. Today it was because of what they were doing. They didn't recognize him. All right? Here we go in John chapter 21, the first 14 verses. It says, After these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. That's a total of seven. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going to go with you. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. They didn't recognize it. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. And therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, this is John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he's so impetuous, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and he plunged into the sea. <laughs> But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 100 yards, dragging the net with fish. I, I, I just got to stop here. I find it funny that Peter just jumped out and left the work to the rest of the guys. So Peter, there he goes again. I got to drag these fish while Peter's going, going, Jesus. I think that's just kind of a funny scene right there. Totally lost it, man. He lost it. And then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire on which coal, on a fire of coals and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land. <laughs> so he still, he went back and said, here's some fish, Jesus. He's dragging it a little bit of the way and getting all the credit for the fish, you know. They did all the hard work from the, from the hundred yards to the shore and then he took it the few few feet the rest of the way and said, here you go. <laughs> Again, Simon Peter was quite a character. Then uh, it says, uh, uh, Peter went up and dragged the net full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net, not, the net was not broke. And then Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord, Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Now this is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So there's four things. In fact, the first week I talked about the things Jesus said in that uh, interaction with the, the men from Emmaus, uh, going to Emmaus. And then last week I also extracted the things that Jesus said as he was talking to Mary. I want to extract the four things that Jesus said as well in this, he, the Lord just keeps bringing me back to the things that he's saying, which I think, you know, why not? <laughs> the, the most important things in the Bible, in, in a lot of ways, are the th words that Jesus says, you know? And so I like those words, those letters in red, those words in red. So there's four things that he said in this interaction that I want us to focus on today and see how we can apply it to our lives. Here's the first one. Have you any food? Now, we use the New King James Version today because that's the only version that had the word food. He said other things in other versions, and it may say that in your version, but he said in this version, have you any food? And I think that's a significant word that I want to make sure we have that word food for us. So here's Peter and the rest of them. They were just hanging out as we read, just trying to figure out what to do. They, they, there's some curious things that had taken place since the crucifixion, and Jesus was randomly showing up uh, and then disappearing <laughs> at times. But there really didn't seem to be any clear direction, at least not in their minds. And so here's Peter, and they're looking around at each other, not sure what to do. And so Peter just said, you know what? I, I, let's just go back and do what we're good at and what we're used to. Let's go fishing. 
And the other guy said, okay, so here's Peter leading the way. And it, by the way, he probably thought there wasn't any chance that, that he had of doing anything else other than fishing because he had denied Christ three times just days before. And he probably thought, well, Jesus is done with me. So I better just go do some fishing. And the leader that he was, he persuaded the other six guys with, with him to join him. And so they went out and did what they knew to do. They prepared the nets, they readied the boat, and they pushed out to sea to provide for themselves and their families. Nothing wrong with that. But they were, as they fished all night, discouraged, and they were unsuccessful. They didn't catch a single fish, the Bible says. So yeah, they were discouraged, they were weary, they were frustrated. And then adding insult to injury from their, all of their failure to save or even support Jesus just days before when he needed them the most, they watched with empty nets as the morning sky began to dawn. And then Jesus showed up. Ah, I sure love it when Jesus shows up. He was about a football field away from them on the shore. So just imagine if you're standing at a football field, the boat was out. Here's Jesus standing. The boat was out about a, the length of a football field, about 100 yards they heard a voice, they saw a silhouette of a man calling out to them and asking this question, have you any food? This is a powerful question for us today, folks. You know, over these last really couple of months or so, we've been dining with Jesus, and we've heard this phrase often, I've said to you, you are what you eat, right? What you consume, consumes you. So, have you any food? Yeah, there's plenty of options out there in the buffet of life. There's a lot of food choices, amen? But we've also been reminded that what the world offers is a lot of empty calories and a lot of stuff that's really not good for us. And in many times, there's a lot of stuff the world has to offer that's dangerous and quite deadly. Junk in, junk out. So Jesus asks us today, have you any food? And then we respond by saying, by saying yeah, well, Lord, I'm making my choices. And we do. We make our choices every day, don't we? Of what we're going to consume. We start in the morning. First thing a lot of us do is turn on the news so that we can get a lot of that junk that's going on in the world. We fill it up with ourselves saying, oh, man, the world is still falling apart, but it's worse today than it was yesterday. And we catch up with our emails and we catch up with the different things that are going on in our social media and all. And we see how wonderful everybody else's life is and yet ours is falling apart. So how does that working out, right? And we just get this, we just, con we just consume ourselves with, with habits. We consume ourselves with, with goals that are not of the Lord. We consume ourselves with a lot of things that the world has to offer. We can strive and we can try and we can come up time and time again with empty nets. But there's a satisfaction that we can only get when we do God's will. There's only, a, there's only the only satisfaction, the only true satisfaction that we're going to have in our lives is doing the will of the Father. So what is the will of the Father? Have you ever asked that? Lord, what's your will for my life? Well, here it is. To preach the gospel. Oh, pastor, that's your job. No, it's not not just. It's all of our job. We are all to preach the gospel. We are all to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We are all called as believers. Jesus says, I want you to go and preach the gospel. He didn't say, if you're an ordained minister, if you're... 
He says, if you believe in me, as you've accepted me, as my disciple, you go out and represent me. If you're breathing and you have me in your heart, you go out and tell someone about me. We're called to share the good news of salvation that we have in Jesus Christ and that they can have in Jesus Christ. We are to be ambassadors for Jesus, a representative to him in a lost and dying world. Jesus said so much when he was talking with his disciples after he conversed with this sinful Samaritan woman at the well. Many of us know this story. We're going to pick up just after that in John chapter 4. Verse 31 through 36, he says, In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you did not know. And they're looking around in his bag saying, He didn't bring any Lance crackers or anything. I don't see what's going on. Did you bring, did you give him some? What is he talking about? Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Let me stop right there. You say, well, that's good for Jesus, but that's not me because Jesus is the Savior and he did the work. We all have a work to do. Jesus' work was to come and live a perfect life and die for our sins so that we might escape hell and enjoy heaven with God. Our job is really not much different than that in that we have a job to tell the good news of what happened to us and it can happen to them. He says, don't you say there's still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields now, for they're already white for harvest. We hear that scripture so much. And again, well, that's an evangelist. That, that's, a, that's someone who's called to be a, a witness. We're all called to be a witness. Jesus is not talking to a specific group of set-apart people that have a reverend in front of their names. This is for all of us that are believers. He's saying to you and to me, don't delay. Don't say that you still got some time. The harvest is now. Lift up your eyes. Open them and look at the fields for they're ready to harvest. Now. Today. It's white. Now. Today. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. And look to the fields. For they're already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages. And gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Amen? God, help us. God, help us to see the urgency of the hour and the fields that are white to harvest today. Jesus was saying to his disciples that he got filled up. He got nourished by doing the will of his Father. Serving him was his satisfaction. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need to eat. We do need to eat. We need to eat food to survive, but Jesus wasn't talking about physical food here. Not at all. He was redirecting them and to us to the spiritual harvest. He went immediately to talking about souls for the kingdom. That's where he said we'd find our true satisfaction and fulfillment. Working a job, it's necessary. It's necessary to provide for your family. The Bible says, and I'm paraphrasing, if you don't work, you don't eat. And eating is necessary to keep our bodies nourished. But those two things sustain us so that we can do the primary thing of sharing Jesus. We got to work. We got to eat. But we got to tell people about Jesus. Church. Listen to me, if you hear nothing else this morning, our job 
is to share Jesus. This is not a new thing, but for some reason it's an avoided thing. This is not a new thing, but for some reason this is not a normal practicing thing for us at church. We assign it off to other people. Good for the handful that went yesterday. God, help us to all get a burden for souls. We're not just here to make a living, people. We're here to make a difference. We're not, we don't exist to make a name for ourselves, but we're, we exist to lift up the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. We're not here to build up treasures here on earth, but we're here to store up our treasures in heaven. So Jesus is reminding us in this one question, do you have any food to let him and the things of his kingdom satisfy us? All right. Second thing that he said. He said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and then you'll find some fish. You know, Jesus describes things being on the left side as cursed and those on the right side as blessed in this passage. Listen to this in Matthew chapter 25. Verse 31, it says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He'll sit on the throne of His glory. We're talking about judgment day here. We're talking about when He's going to be handing out His rewards. By the way, every single one of us are going to stand before the Lord one day, individually. Someone's not going to stand in your place. Someone's not going to uh, represent you. you, There's no grandfathering this in. It's going to be you and you alone. Your mama's not going to stand there with you. Your daddy's not going to stand there with you. It's you and Jesus. One day, all of us, this is going to happen. This is what it's depicting. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another. As the sheep, as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, he'll set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those in his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the very least of these my brethren, you did it to me, just like yesterday when the team went out. Then he'll also say to those on the left hand, these goats, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger who did not take me in, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they'll answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he answered saying, As surely as I say to you, and as much as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The left are cursed, the right are blessed. This is again Jesus redirecting us today when he says, if you'll take your nets and you'll cast them to the right side, you'll see a blessing. He's reminding us again today to make our primary efforts be the things that are eternal in nature, in other words. It's a very practical concept at its core church because there's a huge amount of people outside of the four walls of this church, outside of the four walls of your home, 
inside the four walls of your schools, inside the four walls of your businesses, in our community that fall into these categories that Jesus just listed. Who do you know that is hungry? Who do you know that is thirsty? Who do you know that's a stranger? Who do you know that is naked? Who do you know that is sick? Who do you know that's a prisoner? These can take on all sorts of forms, by the way. They're not just the physically hungry or thirsty or poor or naked. These are people that are trapped in emotional and mental and spiritual bondage that are just as hungry and thirsty and naked and imprisoned as anyone else in the physical. And Jesus is calling us to take our nets and to cast them on the blessed side. We all have nets. Every single one of us have nets. What are our nets, by the way? There are abilities. There are resources. There are giftings. There are opportunities. There are time. Each of us has a different type of net, but we all have nets. Pastor, I don't have a net. Yeah, you do. You have a net. How have you been casting it? On the left side, it's not going to be fruitful. (laughs) You're not going to get any fish that way. It may be some sort of effort that you might take that might look good. You You might look good in the motions of it. But it's coming up empty every single time. He's saying, take the nets that you have, your, your abilities, your time, your treasures, your resources, and throw them on the blessed side. Throw them on the side that he will bless. I think too often we take those nets and we use them for our own benefits. Those resources that we have, the time, the talent, the treasure. But Jesus is saying, let's take our nets and stop casting them on the left side, that that cursed side, that selfish side, that side that is fruitless and a waste of our time. And instead, let's, 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 let's take his word. At his word, we cast them at his right side. And at his word, we, we cast them on the blessed side. We cast them on that selfless side, that side that is fruitful and a wise use of our time for his glory. Jesus said one day there's going to be this dividing of the sheep and the goats in heaven on judgment day. The sheep's on the right and the goats on the left. He's going to bless and reward and invite into his kingdom those on his right unto eternal life, but he's going to punish and condemn and cast into outer darkness, hell, everlasting punishment, those on his left. Let me encourage you today to take whatever resources that God has placed in your care and steward them well and wisely for God's kingdom. It's really all about souls. It's all about souls. As you hear me say too often, and I can't say it enough, everything is connected to a soul. Everything in your life, everything that we do, everything about us must be connected to a soul. And by the way, we do this out of our love for Jesus. Doing things for him won't get us to heaven. Only placing our faith in Jesus as Savior will get us to heaven. But doing things out of our loving relationship with him will result in rewards when we get to heaven. Church is a great harvest among us. And we've been called to take what he's placed in our hands to take care of the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the prisoner. Which leads us to the next thing that he said. Bring some fish over here from what you caught. Bring it over here. Now, if you read the story, he, he already had some fish on the, on, on the coals, already cooking. And he had some bread off to the side. 
Why did he need to bring some more fish? In this invitation, Jesus was reminding these fishers of their initial calling to become fishers of men. He was bringing them back. Listen to this in Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus first encountered these people, these disciples, he said, and in verse 18, he said, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, Follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. What Jesus was saying to these men, to Peter and the rest of those that were there, I'm not done here. I'm not dead. I'm alive. And my plan for all of creation has just begun. Don't be hopeless. Don't go back to what you guys were doing. I need you guys to join in here. The invitation to be part of my plan is still open to you. Come bring some of those fish over here and join them with what I already have on these coals. You know, I may, uh, we may think that we've failed him too often and disappointed him too much to where he certainly can't and won't use us again. And that's a lie from Satan. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how badly you feel like you've messed up and how much you've fallen flat on your face, maybe even recently. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is calling you back. And he's saying, there's still a plan that I have, and my plan is through you. He doesn't have a plan B, you guys. His plan A is the church. You're the church, the bride of Christ. And he says, lay aside those failures. Give them to me. I'm still alive. There's still a plan. There's still hope. Let me redirect you to that plan. He's calling us to that. No matter how many times we fail, he still brings us back. I love this analogy, by the way. Listen to this. So Jesus already had some fish grilling on the coals along with some bread sitting off to the side. And there's some fun speculation on where Jesus got these fishes and loaves. I read through some different, you know, discussions this week on that. And, and my, my thinking is a little more simple than how people were bringing in a lot of, you know, stuff. I mean, good grief, he's, he's Jesus, you know. <laughs> he could have just said, fish, loaves, poof, poof. It could have just happened, right? I mean, he's Jesus, right? He spoke the world into existence by just the breath of his, of his voice, you know. Or, or maybe he just whistled towards the water and, and had his pan strategically placed and these fish come jumping out of the water and he pump, pump, and just stuck them on the fire, you know. And then he could have just grabbed some wheat stalks and kind of rubbed it in his hands and kind of blew it on and sped a little bit. Poof, loaf of bread, you know. Again, he's Jesus. Who cares? There was fish already there and there was some bread sitting off to the side. And there was these coals of fire. Very significant, all three of these things, because this feels like the church that we're talking about here. How? Well, the church is often called God's house. It's often called the house of the Lord. We just sang about that last week. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. It's where we come to meet Jesus at his house. We come to meet him at his house. This is a church building, but this is also his house. This is the house of God, right? This is where Jesus is. By the way, we can meet Jesus anywhere and he goes with us, but we come corporately to meet with Jesus in his house, right? The house of God. Just like the disciples came to him corporately from the boat, from their occupations and what have you, from their busyness of life, and they came to Jesus at the fire. They came and met him. Kind of sounds like a church service, doesn't it? They had church service. Maybe that was the first church service before Acts chapter 2, before the upper room. 
Maybe so. So just as the disciples came corporately to Jesus, we come here and meet Jesus. And then also the fish on the fire, these existing fish, they were the existing believers at the church. That's us. We are existing believers here meeting corporately with Christ, right? All right, Jesus, we worship you. We sing songs to you. We open up your word and learn of you. Oh, and we're all in this pan together, frying and having a good time and being transformed while we're here, right? We're all kind of fish in the pan right now in this analogy. Yeah. And then Jesus asked Peter to bring some more fish that he caught to join with those already there. I think you know where we're going with this. These are new believers. Let's go out and catch some fish this week, church, and let's bring them back into this beautiful place where transformation can happen, where the love of Jesus can be experienced, where fellowship can take place. I love it. Why would he ask to bring more fish? Because he wants us to see that there's plenty of room in the family, plenty of room in the fold, plenty of room in the frying pan for more fish. He wants us to understand that our part in this is adding to the church on a regular basis. In fact, we see this as a very common thing in the New Testament church. If you read in Acts chapter 2, speaking of which, after the uh, Holy Spirit fell in, on the day of Pentecost and the church exploded on that day in growth, we see at the end of that chapter in verse 46 and 47, it says, they continued the people, the believers, continued daily with one accord in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, never again, hardly ever, just once in a blue moon, those were being saved. Now, if we were to write it today, that would kind of be the case. But back then... They were adding to the church, how often? Daily, those who were being saved. Daily, those who were being saved. Constantly. It was, a it was part of what they did. It was so significant. It was so profound. It was so obvious that the author wrote it down and said, wait a minute, but this church is growing like leaps and bounds. Their church is being added to daily. Let's not let this church be a church that contracts, but let's, let's be a church that expands. Let's go out and get some fish. Go out and catch some fish and bring them in here and let's watch what the Lord has to do in growing some people in the Lord. Now, also you think about what about this bread? Well, the bread is Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Jesus is sitting right there. This is bread of life. It's broken and consumed for our spiritual health. John 6, 35 says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So there's the bread. There's that symbolism. And finally, what are these hot coals? What's the hot coals all about? What's well, just what was burning up? The, it was cooking the fish. Nah, there's something to that. The hot coals are the cleansing fire of God's holiness as we stand in his presence. As we stand and sit in his presence. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6 and 7 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar, the altar of God, the holy altar of God. And he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. There's nothing like the holiness of God to purge us of our sins, to convict us of our sins, to point out the things in our lives that we should not be saying, that we should not be doing, that we should not be thinking. It's the holiness of God's presence that convicts us and sanctifies us and causes us to be more like Jesus. Folks, we need to sit above those coals a little more often, don't we? 
the hot coals of the glory and the holiness of Jesus Christ brings transformation just like a, I don't like raw fish. I know some of you may like sushi. Knock yourselves out. I like my food cooked. There's something transformative when the flame gets a hold of that that you're cooking and makes it much more tasty, delectable, and appetizing. And that's what happens when we allow the holiness of God to transform us. My raw flesh is nasty. It doesn't taste good. It's not appealing. It's repulsive. My flesh is awful to the world. My flesh is not a good representation. But the fire of God's holiness makes me attractive. Christ in me, attractive. Christ in me, desirous, tasty. Ah, oh, you see where that's going? So God, let the flame of your holiness burn constantly to not burn me up, but to transform me. Yeah, burn the stuff away that doesn't belong, but transform me. Jesus is telling us this morning, hey, church. Hey, church. Wake up. I'm calling you to catch some fish. I'm blessing your efforts to catch fish. I'm asking you then to bring those fish to me where those fish can grow in me as you're growing in me, and they be transformed in me, as you're being transformed in me, by my holiness, by my purity, by my righteousness. Church, I would ask you this week, would you ask the Lord to give you the courage and the burden and the priority to invite someone to church next week? Oh, pastor, I can't do that. I know. But Jesus can through you. His boldness, his discernment, his compassion can through you. Now, they may say no. Okay, fine. At least you asked. Try it. Just try it. All right, Holy Spirit, direct me. Who is it? Someone that I know, my neighbor, a coworker, classmates, anybody, somebody. I'm not going to come to church next week with this seat empty in my car. It's going to be filled with someone who needs Jesus. Invite someone next week. Go catch a fish and bring it to the fire. Amen? Jesus said, look to the harvest. They're ripe today. They're ripe right now. God, help us to bring more fish to who's already here. And let's allow the holiness of God's fire to touch our lips and make us like Jesus. Amen? This leads us to the fourth and final thing that Jesus said. He said, come and eat breakfast. It's a pretty straightforward invitation, isn't it? How many likes to eat breakfast? How many how many's breakfast is your favorite meal of the day? Yeah? Yeah. A few people, yeah. Several once in a while you just want to have some good old bacon and eggs and grits and, you know, biscuits and gravy and stuff like that. By the way, this Saturday, you can have all that, right? At the men's prayer breakfast, men's fellowship breakfast right here. You better have biscuits and gravy. I mean, all the things I just listed, you better write that down. I don't have any false advertising here. This really comes in a full circle moment because this leads up what we've been the last couple of months, uh, dining with Jesus. We end today where we began at the beginning of this series as Jesus is inviting us 
to just sit with him and enjoy a meal that is prepared. You know, we eat too much on the go, don't we, in our physical lives. We've got to grab a burger at the drive-thru and eat it on our way to the next appointment. Man, we are cramming it down. We got a 15, 20 minute lunch at our work and that's it, man. We got to get it going. Heartburn, indigestion, all that sort of stuff. We're just in a hurry. We do that with Jesus too, I think. We look for that fast food, microwave sort of experience with him. And he says, you know what, just can you just lay those nets aside? Those fish are going to be okay for, for a while. Just leave them in the net in the water. They're, they're not going anywhere. Could you just come and eat breakfast with me? Can you just come and spend some time with me? Un, uh, uninterrupted. Could you just lay your phone aside for just a little bit? I'm so tired of seeing people on their phones eating with one another at restaurants. It's just, that's what we do with Jesus. That's what we do with Jesus. We multitask even when we spend time with him, which is really not time well spent. I promise you, you're never going to leave hungry when you sit and eat with Jesus. His word is filling. His word is transformative. His word is satisfying. His word is health to our souls. Proverbs 4, chapter 4, verse 20 says, My son, my daughter, give attention to my words and incline your ear to my sayings and don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. We let our eyes look at a lot of different things throughout the day. And I just wonder, cumulatively, if we spend as much time in God's Word as we do on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever. In His presence, you'll find all that you need. Did you know that in God's presence, you're going to find rest for your weary souls? How many, every once in a while, has a weary soul that needs some rest? You can go on vacation and that'll help, but resting in Him... There you go. Comfort in your time of sorrow. You'll find that. How many has ever experienced sorrow? Yeah. And you can get comfort in different things that the world has to offer. Activities and chemicals and pills and stuff. It's not satisfying. If you spend time with Jesus in your sorrow, he'll comfort you like no other comfort. He'll give you direction when you don't know which way to go. How many has ever tried to figure out, Lord, should I go to the left, go to the right, go forward? How many steps should I take? What should I do? Instead of trying to figure it out, rest in Him. Spend time with Him. He'll tell you. He'll give you direction. Peace in the midst of your storm. There's a lot of storms going on in the world today. Storms going on in relationships in your life, in your mind, in your heart your emotions. Jesus will provide for you the peace that passes all understanding that will rule your heart and your mind if you'll spend time with him. He says, come and eat breakfast. Come and spend some time with me. Come and dine, the master calleth. That old hymn says, come and dine. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you joy. 
You'll find gladness and help and healing. Whatever you need, you're going to find it as you come and dine with Jesus. Psalm 1611 says, you're going to show me the path of life, God. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I got to say this one more time together, all, all of us, Psalm 34, 8. Say it with me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Say it again. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Say it one more time. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, Jesus made this invitation to anyone who would want to dine with him. All of us have that opportunity. There's no uh, special reservations that you need to make. You don't have to call ahead. He's right there. He says, come on. Spend some time with me. Ah, uh, there's some things you need, and I got it for you. The only stipulation, by the way, is that you need to open up the door of your heart. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door, and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him, and he with me. We hear about this as a salvation call, and it is a call to salvation, to receive Jesus in your heart. But I think for those of us who are believers, he's actually saying to us, listen, you're struggling right now. You're going through some different things and the buffet out there is not satisfying you. The doorknob is on the inside and only you can open it up. I can't force my way in. But if you'll let me in and you'll let me dine with you and spend some time with me, boy, you're going to be satisfied. Come on, open up the door and I'll come in and I'll dine with you. And you'll dine with me. And we'll just have this wonderful, uninterrupted, relaxed time together where I can spend some time with you, loving on you, appreciating you, receiving from you, honoring you, serving you, blessing you, just enjoying being who you are. You know, that sound good. Satan doesn't want you to do that. He's going to keep you busy, 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 busy. Find that time this week to dine with him and let it become a habit. Let it become part of your daily routine and, and really discipline in your life. Just after this, John records, by the way, in, in our passage today of John 21. Just after this, Jesus had this conversation with Peter that many of us know about. Jesus said, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Three times he asked, and three times Peter said, you know I love you, then feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Peter was ultimately redeemed back to Christ in that. The three denials at the, at the fire, at the trial of Jesus, when, Jesus, when Peter was hanging out that, at that fire, which again, I'm sure that as Peter came up to that fire, those coals burning, he probably reflected back to just a few days before when he denied Christ three times. So there's something significant even with Peter's life there. He'll bring us sometimes back to where we, where we denied him, where we failed him. He'll, he'll bring us back to that point to say, I got you. I got you. Uh, come on. It's okay. It's okay. The same fire that you denied me is the same fire that I'm calling you back out to me. And he called him out three different times. And, and Peter went into full-time ministry he reminded Peter that from that moment on, he would be a fisher of men, just as he called them originally. It's, by the way, it's interesting to know, and I did a little research on this, that it, that was the last time recorded in the Bible that Peter went fishing. That was it. From then on, 
Man, he was making it happen for the kingdom of God. He was preaching the gospel. He was casting out demons. He was, people were being healed because he was giving himself fully to that. That is not me anymore. I don't, I'm not a fisher of fishes. I'm a fisher of men. And he went on to be a powerful voice in the early church and he left his mark that is felt today because we're experiencing that mark today based on his life. And Jesus is inviting us to do the same. Folks, work your jobs. You need to. You need to take care of your families. You need to fulfill your responsibilities. But let your primary focus be on God's kingdom, on souls for his kingdom. Today, let your nourishment be found in Jesus. What food do you have, he's asking. You got any food? You got any food? Ah, feast on Christ. Feast on his word. Receive from him today. Cast your nets, the things that you have, on the blessed side of souls. Then bring them, bring them to Jesus. Bring your, your efforts to the Lord where the fire of his holiness can transform them and us continue to transform us as well. Jesus is inviting us today. Come and dine with me. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you're here for this final of this series because it really is a culmination and it's something that is a launching point for all of us here today. Um, what you've been doing up to this point may not be working as well as you want it to. I'm talking about in your relationship with Jesus. You believe that he's Jesus Christ, he's God's son, he died for your sins. Okay, that's good. But man, you're just, you're striving. You're trying to get some traction here. You're trying to figure out why can't I enjoy that peace that, that Pastor Brian is talking about? Why can't I enjoy that strength that he's talking about? What's going on in my life that I feel like I'm just banging my head up against a wall? I'm just, I'm just treading water. I, I, I know I'm saved, but I'm struggling here. Well, here's maybe the thing. How about spending some time with Jesus this week? I mean, prioritizing it. Come, he's saying to us this morning, come and just eat some breakfast with me. Come and dine. Come spend time with me this week because it's out of that that you're going to go out and want to get some fish and bring it back. You know, it's out of that that you're going to want to get into his word and say, ah, oh, oh, I never saw this before. Oh, this is helping me so much. It's just realigning our walk with Christ back to how it needs to be. Spend time with him, and out of that will come all the rest of the stuff we're talking about here this morning. But if you're not doing it, then you're going to strive for another week, and then another week, and then another week. But let this be the week that you pivot and say, okay, I'm going to try something different. Pastor Brian's challenging me. I take that challenge, and I'll do it. If it means you've got to get up an extra 30 minutes every day this week, and spend that first 30 minutes with the Lord, phones aside, tablets aside, all the rest of the stuff aside, and say, Lord, here I am. If you gotta drink some coffee to get you awake, then so be it. But I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna fall asleep in these 30 minutes. I'm gonna stay awake, and I'm gonna spend time with you, and I'm gonna dine with you. I'm gonna sup with you and you with me. And see what happens. It's a cumulative thing. It'll help you a little at a time, and after a while, you'll be like, look back and say, wow, this is a big difference. 
<laughs> my priorities are not the things of this world anymore. It's the things of his kingdom. I'm starting to see people and have a compassion. I'm starting to see the harvest field. I'm starting to be drawn to people that are in need. I'm seeing through the eyes of Christ the world. Uh, there's so many things that are going to happen that are going to be different if you'll just do this one thing. And I can't do it for you. Your spouse can't do it for you. No one can do it for you. You got to do it for yourself. That's why we call it a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Personal and prioritized. I want you to stand with me this morning. There's a couple of different groups of people here. The first one is, maybe you don't know Jesus. And maybe you've never heard a message like this before and the Holy Spirit's just speaking to your heart. You don't know it's the Holy Spirit. You can't figure that out because right now you're just feeling this sort of stirring. You just feel different. Let me tell you, that's the Holy Spirit stirring your heart. He's ministering to you. He's speaking to you. And he's saying, won't you do as Revelation 3.20, open the door of your heart and let me come in and dine with you. You've never had a meal like the meal you'll have with Jesus. You'll never have a relationship like the relationship that you'll have with Jesus. You'll never experience anything in this world like the, like the experience that you'll have as him being your Savior and your Lord. Won't you just ask him in your heart today? If that's you today and say, Pastor, I, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. Just lift up your hand. We'll pray together. It's a simple prayer that takes a few moments, but it'll change your eternity and the trajectory of your life forever. Just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. And we'll pray together. We'll pray together. Yeah, I see that hand. Anybody else? Pastor, I need Jesus. I want to ask him in my heart. Christians, just pray. You don't need to look around. This is not important to you other than, all right, Lord, you're doing a work. So pray and worship the Lord. Just worship him. Anybody else? The Holy Spirit's doing business in your heart this morning. You want to join this one other person? Say, that's me. I need Jesus. Ah, I want to dine with him. I want to have that very first meal with him or a first meal I've had in a long time. How about it? Okay. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God's son and has been risen from the dead, you'll be saved. You see, he died for your sins. You can't make it to heaven by who you're related to, by your good works or by any other thing except by receiving Jesus into your heart, letting him cleanse you from all sin because he died a perfect sacrifice. That's what Jesus requ God required. So Jesus died in your place. And he says, once you just, through me, you can have salvation and be re reconciled back to God the Father. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. Sin broke that relationship between us and God. Jesus came to be the bridge to bring us back together to God. Does that make sense? So let's pray this prayer. All of us together say, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I miss my time with God and I want to spend time with God. Jesus, you're that bridge that gets me back to God. So I invite you into my heart, ask you to forgive me of my sins, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, come live in my heart, be the Lord of my life. I thank you now that I'm saved and I praise you for this in Jesus' name. Now with every eye closed and head bowed, this is the other part. Another group of people, and I'm imagining this is a much larger group. Um, 
you've been so busy, you've been striving, you're banging your head against the wall, treading water, all those things that I talked about. And maybe this week is the week that you're saying, all right, I'm going to take Pastor Brian up on this invitation. In fact, it's the invitation that Pastor Brian is repeating that Jesus is giving us. Won't you just come and eat breakfast? Come on, I got it ready for you. Yeah. And if you've been busy, man, and you've been doing a lot of fast food drive through stuff and quick fix microwavable time with God, and you're tired of it, and you're not feeling like you're really getting anywhere with it, then today I want you to make a commitment to the Lord. And Sarah, Lord, show me what this looks like. And I'm going to pray over you, and I just want you to receive this prayer, but also pray, pray also to the Lord of your heart, whatever you want to make it personal to Him. But if that's you this morning, just pray with me right now. You don't have to repeat after me, but I'm just going to pray over you. Lord Jesus, um, this message here today is for every single one of us, because I do believe that we can spend more time with you, all of us, more quality time with you. Father, help us to lay aside distractions, all the stuff, our busyness, all the stuff. Lord, help us to dine with you. You're asking us, have we any food? Yeah, we've been consuming a lot of stuff that is not good for us. Lord, help us to consume you, spend time with you, and then to take our nets, our resources, and cast them on the blessed side where we can see the harvest and bring them in. And Lord God, that we would bring them here to join with who's already here and that we would sit with you every day and just eat breakfast with you, just dine with you, just enjoy time with you where you can minister to us, strengthen us, help us, guide us, encourage us, all these things. In you is found fullness of all we need because you are the fullness of God. I pray, God, that you'd show us those times and to prioritize those times and to invest in those times and to incrementally grow in those experiences that we have with you. And out of that, out of that time, that we'll see the harvest, that we'll make an impact, that we'll use our resources for you and all these things that we're talking about here today. God, help us. And help us to find someone this week that we can invite to church next week to join to the fish that are already here and transform us, Lord God. Continue to transform us. We love you and we thank you for these things. And all God's people said, amen.